Welcome to Lift and Love Conversations, where we are building a supportive culture around LGBTQ families in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I'm Allison Dayton from Lift and Love, and I will show you how to lean into your spiritual discomfort to deepen and grow your testimony of Jesus Christ. And I am Jenny Hunter of Jenny Hunter Coaching. I will help you identify obstacles that could get in the way of sustaining healthy relationships and realizing the blessings of being an LGBTQ family. Each week, we will bring you lessons we've learned through our own lives, the experiences of families we've worked with, and conversations with amazing experts. Hello, our Lift and Love community. We are so excited because we have a special guest with us today, right, Allison? We're excited. We have Jess Frew of Husband-in-Law with us, and we are, we've are we been talking about getting together this way for a long time, huh, Jess? It's been a minute. Yeah. It has been. It has been. We got to meet each other at the BYU Pride Night event, right, at school, sort of, which was super fun, and I got to meet your husband, and so excited. So we're happy to have you on. I am so excited to be here. I love getting to talk to people that I listen to on their podcasts. It's like, oh my gosh, I actually am talking to them, not just talking at them. That's how I, or thinking about what you want to Uh say. Yeah. The same way. Okay. Just let's talk about where, how, how did you get here? We were just talking about about what here is. Yeah. Let's talk about what here is. Jess was married to a man. And who, how long, let's, let me have you, rather than me trying to do it, let's just, yeah. why don't you give this the history, it, kind of wrap that up in a. Okay. So what brought me here to this moment of lift and love and where I am in, at in life now is I got married to my first husband uh, when I was 20 and he was a return missionary and we met each other. We went on our first date and we're together every day after that. Like anytime we could be together, we were together. Uh, we fell hard and fast. Um, we met in February and we got married that next December. And he had told me before we got married that he looked at pornography. Um, we'd had a whole conversation about that and all of those things. But then six months into our marriage, I stumbled across all this pornography. Like it just started popping up on our computer because he'd been looking at it and that's what happened. And yeah. Um, and I realized in that moment, it is all gay porn. Like it's all men. There are no women to be found in all this pornography. And I was processing that and, um, trying to understand what that meant. And obviously assuming at that point that my husband is gay, um, and not, all men, I always want to caveat this, not all men that look at gay porn are gay, but that was for me and my knowledge at that point, that's what that meant. And I asked my husband when he came home from work that night, I asked Steve, I said, Hey, are you, are you gay? I found all this gay pornography and he like totally shut down. And he had said, he said, he says now he's like, that is the first time I had ever let myself think those words. I am gay. I am gay. Um, But he was still in denial. He told me, no, I'm not gay. I just always felt that, you know, I was showing more respect to women if I wasn't looking at them. And that's kind of the story he had fed himself since he was 10, 11, 12 years old when he started looking at pornography. Um, And so he still hadn't come to terms with that until about a year later. I kind of started processing the fact that 
that might be what's going on at that point. Um, but about a year later, he was in counseling and the counselor was like, okay, well, these other things you're talking about are an issue, but the real issue is that you're gay. And at that point, he really started to accept it. Um, and we started having an open dialogue about it in our marriage. We were a year and a half into our marriage. We were very happy. Um, and and I say an open dialogue. It was as open as Steve was ready to be at that point. It, right. it came in waves of him being comfortable talking about it, which was fine. I think it was a good progression for both of us. We stayed married. We were married for seven years. Uh, we had a daughter wow. five years into our marriage um, after years of trying and going through infertility treatments and all of those things. So it was very much a intentional thing. Um, and yeah, so we, we stayed married. He ended up having an affair just like right before our seven year wedding anniversary. And at that point he was just so confused. He, he, you know, in some ways hoped that he would do this thing. He would engage with this man and it would feel wrong and it would feel horrible. And he would be able to just walk away. And he's like, and, and instead he just felt whole. He was like, there's like this part of me that I'd been missing that I just all of a sudden felt right to me. And I understood. Um, and that very much changed the dynamic of our relationship at that point. We tried to stay married for a while longer and tried to work through that. Um, in fact, we we ended up getting divorced and then we dated again for another six wow. months trying to work it out because um, he was just he, he was so torn of this who he had been raised to be and thought he should be. And now trying to figure out life without me with, um, you know, a different relationship with our daughter than he thought he would have and a different relationship with the church. He, he did eventually leave the church, but he was just so conflicted. Um, and today Steve and I are great friends. After my husband, he is my best friend. He knows me, I would say probably better than anybody because we lived together for seven years. Um, and we have a daughter together and, and we've been very intentional about staying close, um, and the relationship that we have so that our daughter can have a good relationship with both of our parents where she doesn't feel this as much stress from divorce and co-parenting and all those things. Um, but it has been you know, one of my greatest successes in life, I, I consider my relationship with Steve to be the success. Um, and now my relationship with my husband and his relationship with Steve and all of that is truly one of the greatest gifts I've been given. Uh, and not just because we're divorced and can co-parent, but because I get to love this man that lives a life completely different than I do. And I got to go through that process with him. I watched the struggle so, so up close. I mean, I watched Steve fight to do all of the things, to check all of the boxes. And you hear this so often. And I know I've heard you guys talk about this where, where our LGBT brothers and sisters are trying to, you know, well, I'm, I'm going to the temple and I'm reading my scriptures and I'm serving in my calling and I'm doing everything I can as perfect as I can, but nothing's changing. I'm not, I'm not changing. I still have this innate part of me that is who I am and trying to love themselves and see the good in themselves through that. And I feel like that was 
one of the greatest opportunities I was given to help Steve see the good in him, that he was still a wonderful man. He was still, all of the reasons that I married him were still there. Like he was still this person that I wanted to be with. And so it was an interesting and unique process to go through that. And I've been able to learn how to love people on a different level, people who are different than me, who don't live a life that, you know, we, we, we see the path in the church that we're supposed to go on. Um, but to love people who aren't on that path in a new way. And so there you go. There's (laughs) this such a great introduction to what we're talking about everything in there. And I have a thousand questions. I know there's a lot to unpack in there. (laughs) I know. And it's so good because Jess, we have a lot of moms and women who, um, and men who reach out and say, what do I do? I just found out my spouse is, is gay Mm -hmm. or my spouse is, um, is struggling to, um, reconcile their gender whatever, you know, whatever it is, they come and Jenny and I, we, we don't know that path. Yeah. And few people do that are willing to talk about it in such great open ways. I know. I mean, just how you talked about just like, it's just like, you could tell you've done the work because you have, you, there's no pain. Like you have done work of like, having that grief that you've gone through, I'm sure of the marriage ending and, and what, but then that's such a um, cleansing part process because you can't go through that. And then without then giving that great gift of having a new dynamic with Steve and a new relationship of what needed to be to raise your daughter together. That's my first question. Cause when you speak, you speak um, with genuine compassion for him. So how a a lot of times, and this happens with um, mothers of LGBTQ children or women um, who are married to men who are, um, they become, it's, it's such a crushing blow to self-confidence, to who they are as a person, who they are in the church, who they are, you know, who they show up as in all ways. How, how, what happened? What were your, you're is so good now. Did you just feel this confidence right from the get-go? Um, no. I I mean there were okay, parts good. Of me- I can like you then. <laughs> <laughs> you are not perfect. <laughs> no. Oh no. And that's one of the things I always tell people. I'm like, listen, we are Penny what just turned 12 yesterday. And we got we separated a week before Penny turned two. Um, so I'm I'm 10 years down the road of of us actually separating. But then I had six years before that. So I'm 16 years into this of processing this and going through it. And so one of the things I have to say (laughs) is that I did have a natural gift to recognize that this was not about me. Amen. Where do you think that came from? Mm. A lot of confidence. I I don't it's like know. A spiritual gift. You can I, tell. It is a spiritual gift, and it can be taught, and it can be learned, and that's why I'm like so passionate about what I do. Is because I know, I also greatly understand and know the heartache, um, of of spouses of partners who are experiencing this, experiencing this, um, and and parents on some level, mm-hmm. but. When we can understand who we are, 
on the other side of that. And there were things that I knew. I knew that I was a daughter of my heavenly parents who loved me. Like that is something that is so ingrained into my heart and my soul that brings peace in, in the hardest of times for me, that it reminds me of my worth. And that, you know what I knew when I found all that gay porn on the computer, that my life was not going to be what I thought it was. Mm. I knew that in that, in that moment. Mm -hmm. And I knew that I could make this about me and about how horrible this is. And, and it was horrible in ways, but also I watched as I had these conversations with Steve and saw the pain in him as well. And that I could add to that pain by putting on him, well, you've done this to me. You've ruined what I thought my life would look like. You have done all this. Or I could create a relationship with him in that moment of we're both mourning what we thought we would have because he's letting go of a life he thought he was going to have too. I mean, he, he didn't marry me with the intent of divorcing me or coming out or any of those things. He married me with the intent of continuing forward. And so we were both mourning. And I think when we can see that there's a mourning process for both of us, that both sides of this, that it allows it allows for there to be love and connection in a, in a deeper way. Um, and I, again, that was a gift that I was able to see and that I'm not saying there weren't moments when I (laughs) handled that poorly and added to his pain or that he added to mine at times. Like there were definitely those moments, but because we both could see that, you know, we were fumbling through this together. Um, we were able to come back together and say, hey, this is the key, I think, right here. I'd come back and say, hey, Steve, I am really sorry that I said that and that I put this on you. And yes, I am feeling these things, but I am responsible for how I'm feeling. You aren't. And and I'm sorry. And here's how I want to try and do this better. Or here's what I could use from you right now that would be helpful. But taking that ownership of where we've, you know, put our, our own pain onto somebody else, I think goes a long way. And not that they can't, it can't be acknowledged that, yeah, they, they did hurt us. Like that's important, but hopefully I'm saying that, that that makes sense. That I'm yeah. saying that in a way that makes sense like, that, you, you know, we, responsibility we for your own emotions. yeah, like you, yeah. you took responsibility for your own emotions. It, I love the fact, even like, you're like apologize, but also you still honored yourself by asking requests from him of what you need it. Yeah. You know, I think that's all really, um, so when you feel most empowered in this situation. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I, and in that empowered, I, I want the spouse to feel empowered. I want the other person. I want everybody involved to feel empowered. Like they, they have a say, like they have a voice. And I think that was the key is to be able to have that voice. Um, I never, I, at a young age, I remember hearing talks in church and stuff about asking <laughs> why me and how we get stuck in that. And I remember like making a mental note that I'm never going to ask myself why me. Instead, I am going to ask, what can I learn from this? What can I gain? Um, what opportunity is here? And I think that can be so powerful in this situation of saying, oh. okay, yes. I've been doing my best to 
live the commandments and keep my covenants and do what what I can. My best. It's not going to be perfect. It does not have to be perfect. But I'm doing what I have felt impressed to do on my heart. And therefore, there's a purpose in this thing in this moment. Um, and trusting that purpose because you know you are a son or daughter, or you know, you're a being who's been created by heavenly parents who love you. Yeah. And so there is meaning behind what you're going through. And so I think that when you can suck onto those things and really understand your emotions and process those and then come to the conversation, it's a whole big thing. But yeah, I think it makes a huge difference because um a lot of times. Uh, people in your situation, and I, I often hear it from the LGBTQ person's experience. Um, my wife's so mad, the betrayal, you know, well, actually I hear from both the betrayal, the, all of that. Yeah. And I do think, um, while those feelings are gonna come, I'm sure, uh, the idea that, wow, this is brutal and I'm certainly going to learn a lot from it. I think those lift us up out of the, um, that kind of wallowing that we do and the spinning out. Yeah. Cause when you're asking why me, that's keeping you in victim mentality, right? Yeah. Yes. And it's yes. just a question. Why not you? Right. Like well, we're yeah, all- that's not a helpful being a victim is not, not helpful. No. And nobody likes to feel that way, but no. it's, and, but it's yeah. easy. Like, give yourself compassion because. Yeah. And you've you got to get through it and yep. take the lumps and be in pain. And then it's nice to have something that will actually like rise, raise you up. I think of like getting like a buoy that kind of pulls you back up from underneath and brings you back up into the light. Right. And that's what your, that thought process does. Yeah. And I think it, it, connects you back to God. Cause otherwise it's like, God, why did you do this? Mm-hmm. This doesn't seem like the gospel that I understand where I feel inspired to marry someone. We marry in the temple, like, and then, you know, everything spins into this, like that's yeah. the plan. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And in that, like bringing that empowerment back of knowing instead of, and switching that thought from why me, but to what, what's the purpose in this? What am I supposed to learn? Why did heavenly father place me here? I think that was where a lot of my power came from Mm -hmm. of just recognizing he wanted me here for a purpose. And like, just that's an empowering feeling. If, if you really lean into that and trust that, that heavenly father put me here for a purpose. And also I, I keep thinking too, I, examined a lot of my fears around this. Um, like what is my fear when I realized he was gay? What is my, what are my fears about staying married to him? Like, what does this change in my relationship and understanding those so that I could honestly just let a lot of them go. Like, what is, what's the worst thing that is going to happen? And I don't believe in dwelling on these, but I do believe in like processing them a little for me. It was like, okay, I, he could have an affair. Um, but that doesn't mean our marriage is going to end. And it doesn't mean that we can't still love each other. Uh, he could, we could end up divorced. And that was one that I'm like, I'm just, I understand it's a possibility, but I'm not going there right now until we're closer to that point if we get there. But for me, I realized that it honestly just gave me an opportunity to know my spouse 
like really well on a way that in a level that nobody else knew him because literally nobody else except his counselor knew he was gay. And for the seven years at, at points, he started telling clergy, like once he had kind of come to terms with that, he was open with like our bishops or our branch presidents. And then we had one other couple that knew uh, that we had gone to support groups with. And then like he went to a support group as well. And, um, and he did tell his mom about a year before we got divorced, but honestly, it was like, for me, I had like that one friend, that other couple friend to talk to. I was going to say like, who did you process with? Because if nobody knew and you needed somebody. Yeah. And so I mean, I processed with Steve and, and I, like I said, like I, I tried not to put that all on him, but it was also, I, he didn't want people to know and I wanted to respect that. And so I'm like, okay, I understand that, but I, you need to either be able to talk to me about it or I need to be able to talk to somebody else. Um, and so we like, gradually kind of got to that point. He told me in the support groups, I could talk about it. And he also recognized that, you know, if we're going through this, he kind of took that same mindset of who can we help along the way if we're here and we can be a little more vocal about it, at least in the support groups we're going to, then maybe we can uplift people. And at this point today, that's why we talk about it. Like Steve says, Steve and I and Matt, Matt's my new husband. We all are very open about our story and our relationship and all of it because we know there are other people going through this and how much it would have helped us along the way to just even hear somebody else's story, whether whether we're talking to other people or not, but just having that connection to somebody else's story is so powerful. It's um, so well, and it's, I mean, it's kind of the root of what we do, Jenny, right? Yeah. Like, and, and I'll tell you, Jess, you're so darling. I'm going to, I'm when we post this, I'm going to post the picture of you and I, cause you're like a foot shorter than I am. And I feel like a giant. She's got these gorgeous eyes. And like, you gotta take a screenshot of like her studio because I, I'm just mesmerized. <laughs> yeah. I know it's beautiful. The flowers behind you. And, and it's interesting. So one of the, one of the real testimonies I have of being the mom and the sister of gay men is that, um, and having the kind of privilege of just meeting who I've met and knowing people and hearing their stories. And they're oftentimes the stories that aren't told on, mm-hmm. on that aren't recorded, right? Like that the Lord picked really remarkable people to come out to tell their stories, to be the first blank, the first employee on campus at BYU that who's gay, the first who's openly yeah. and proud of being gay, the first, you know, man whose brother is an apostle, you know what I mean? On yeah. and on remarkable people to shine the light and the way. And that is you, you are I mean, you are like a thousand watt bulb (laughs) and, and that's what I love about your energy and, and your commitment. And it's hard. You all, it's very, you're very vulnerable and, and, and so could be under a lot of condemnation by some people. And there are people who I know will not agree with, well, 
I've heard it. I mean, I've heard it over and over again that people question why I'm still friends with them and people question um, all sorts of things about what I have chosen to to do, what I continue to choose to do. um, And I just don't care because I know that I'm here for a reason. Uh, And as you're saying those things, of like, you know, it does take a lot of courage to speak up and it does take, I do believe that God thinks, you know, highly of us, but I also think he thinks so highly of those people who, you know, and I know you guys feel this too, who aren't ready to share their story and the people who are in the thick of it and that are there. Um, I think it takes a, to be entrusted with somebody who is queer in your life. God knew you could do it. Our heavenly parents knew you were somebody who would love this precious soul, that you were the person that could keep them here on earth, that could help them see their worth, that would help them know they are loved. Um, And as I have experienced that and loved this man, I have grown in how much I love myself and how much I love other people. And it just amplifies. And, and that's what love does. It just amplifies. And people also be like, well, you must still be in love with him. And how can you have this relationship? Um, it's not fair to your husband, to my husband, Matt. And Matt always says, he's like, there's enough love to go around. Like it doesn't, this isn't a comparison thing. He's like, the love you have for Steve is just different than the love you have for me. He's like, it's not, it's not no, even love, yeah, love Love compounds. It's it's abundant, not scarcity. Yeah. Well, and we always say, like, I always think it's the difference. I mean, so much of the difference in the way we handle things is, is your heart open or is it closed? In the scriptures, they'd say, is your heart open or is it hard? Is your heart open to loving someone? And And really, one of the most complicated things to work through is knowing everything about people. And sometimes not great stuff about them. Not that we're talking about anyone in this particular situation, but knowing about people. The messiness of it. Yeah. The messiness, what they've done, some of the thoughts they might have, whatever. And seeing them as as beloved sons and daughters of heavenly parents still, even with the hard stuff. That's that's serious work to be able to do that and to be able to. to be able to love people through things like that. Mm-hmm. Well, and I watched as Steve shared with me some of those things that he felt were such horrible things about him. And that he felt he was just, you know, one of the worst people ever because he carried these feelings that were natural and innate to him. Um, and I just thought, you know, I, I can make him feel worse about this. Like I have so much power in this moment, in this situation, because I'm his wife to, to say, yeah, that's really horrible. Like, you know what you've been taught. Why are you doing this? Why do you feel this way? Uh, but there's a huge opportunity there to help them see that there's nothing wrong with you. We all like the things you're telling me, there's absolutely nothing that's making you unworthy or that's making you less of a person or that's, that's, 
there's nothing wrong here. Like, this is just who you are. But to, to Steve, it was so real that he was just such a horrible person for being who he was. Uh, and if we can help somebody see that good in them, it's a beautiful thing. I remember sitting in a stake conference shortly after Steve and I were divorced and, um, being really overwhelmed with like feelings of why am I staying friends with him? Why am, why do I, why do I feel this need to support him so much? And I mean, at, at this point, right after our marriage, Steve was suicidal. He, he would call me at night and just, um, say, he's like, I'm, I'm done. And, and I would walk him through this. And, um, and so there was that, like, I knew I was there for that, but I also was just like, this is my whole life right now. It felt so encompassing that I couldn't do anything for anybody else because I had to do, I needed to be there for Steve and for me, I needed to keep myself above water. And you had a brand new baby. And I had a little kid that I'm taking care of. Um, and so my capacity right at that moment was us three. And, um, I remember sitting in this state conference, being a little overwhelmed by that fact and feeling like, oh, but I should be serving other people. Um, and I, I backed out of a calling to go to girls camp at the last minute. Cause I was like, I can't do this. I can't leave my daughter right now. I can't like, I'm too overwhelmed emotionally to show up for these girls. And as I sat there, I kept thinking of uh, um, things come to me in song form because I love music. And the song, and it's a scripture too, but um, if you should labor all your days and bring but one soul unto him, how great shall be your joy. And I just was at peace that this was my calling right now at this time. Um, if it was to bring Steve unto him. And, and when I say unto him, I'm in no means talking that I think Steve should come back to the church. Uh, I believe everybody needs to find the path that works for them, that brings them peace. And I don't, while I find peace in the church, I don't know that for everybody right now is the right time for them to find peace in the church. And I know people will have issues with that, but that's my own um, thing. (laughs) But for him to be able to come to himself, to just know that he was needed still here in this life, that his daughter needed him, that I needed him, that's what I was here to do at that time and to make sure my daughter was okay. And to make sure I was emotionally okay. Um, and making it through. And that's, that's enough sometimes. And I think often in the church, we get so concerned that we have to do more that, you know, we, we need to do all the things and, and that's great when you have the capacity, but you don't always have the capacity and that is okay. <laughs> yeah. But recognizing that in that moment is the key. Oh, yeah, yes. you're young. You were a young girl still. You're but you're like 27 here when we're talking. I was, yeah, I was 27 at that point, right around there, 26, 27. It's young. And that's the weight of the world on you. Yeah. I mean, my, my whole world has been turned upside down and it was okay in that moment to recognize that I needed that time in that space. And, and that's another thing I highly suggest for people too, who are either still married or going or going through divorce and trying to co-parent is just recognizing it's okay to really dive into your life and relationship and what you need, what your kids need, what your spouse, your partner, your co-parent needs to figure that out for a while without doing all of the things, yeah. um, we, we have to take those opportunities. 
Well, and, and you come back out of them. Yeah. Because there are moments where you just have to focus on putting your oxygen mask on before you can put mm-hmm. anybody else's on. Mm-hmm. And I think those moments though are kind of part of the journey where, you know, the Lord, like, I mean, think of how often the Lord left and went off by himself, you know, where he needed to refuel and they would always follow him. But like, you know, I think like having that relationship with yourself and realizing like when you need to give yourself grace, that is key to surviving really this whole life, really. And, you know, and being okay with um, what you need. And because Jessica, if you hadn't, then you would not be the mother and the partner for Steve that you could have been at that time. No, I, I couldn't have. And that's one of the things I recognized. I I mean, like I didn't even, I lived on like next to nothing for until I got remarried, quite honestly, because I knew for me, like taking on a full-time job just didn't feel right. Like emotionally, Again, it just was too much, but I was okay with scrimping by and making it by on what we could. I mean, I worked a tiny bit. I worked three hours a week outside the home. I sewed out of my home. Um, I did what I needed to, to get by, but I, I made it work for me because I knew I couldn't take on that extra emotional thing. I would have, if I had to, I know I could have done it if I had to. And I know there are lots of women or men who have to do that but also figure out a way to make it work for you. We get so hung up on, like I said, like checking those boxes of how it should look instead of recognizing that we can create a way to make it work for us. Yeah. But what in that moment, what do you think the key is? What would you tell the listener to create, giving themselves permission to create that? One of the things um, that I really believe that you need to do is dive into your feelings uh, and figure out what it is you want most, what it is you're, like I said, you're might be holding fear around. What is it that, you know, now that your life has changed, what are the things that, that you need to move forward? Like, how can you move forward and create a life you still love? Like, what are the things that are the most important? I think of Brene Brown and how she has you like pick your values. And mm-hmm. it's not just a one word value. You need to have a sentence around this value of, well, I, and for me, one of my main values is that I value my emotional health. I value loving myself and loving others. Like love is a driving force in my life. And so what does that look like now that I know? So what did that look like when my husband came out as gay? How do I now love again? How do I change the way I love? How do I change the love when he's decided he's going to leave me once he's had an affair? Like all of these things are this opportunity of taking my values at my core and reevaluating. I can keep my values and what I want in my life, even when my life isn't going according to plan. Uh, The, 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 goal or the vision of what I had for my life, I still get to keep the values of that, which are what we're really looking for. It's not necessarily the plan. Um, and so I think that's been like a huge thing. I, I coach women and work with people on how to change that story. We're telling ourselves like focus in on that and then to take bold action of what you've learned. So after you've come to figure these things out after you have some understanding around what you're feeling and what you really want, how to take action on that. Yeah. It's, it's the whole, who you, who, who are you becoming? I love how you said that. That's not the plan, right? But like, it's more focusing on how you're changing, how you're showing up, who I love thinking of it. Like, um, 
if I if I was a character in a novel, like how do I want to be that character, right? Like that always kind of helps yes. me be like, like I want to be that character that does this, this, and this, and that helps me show up and align my value with mm-hmm. those hard moments because you've kept having to kind of recreate that for you of what that how you were going to show up, you know, because of the the wife going through it and then, you know, kind of the divorcee and the, the still the partner and now an, another recreation, right. Of being married and balancing the triangle of all that love. And I mean, mm-hmm. like, I love, like, you know, it is all about love and I love how you're like, I've learned. Cause I think that is Alice and I talk about that all the time. And we talk about, and when this is our whole work is teaching moms, this, that don't be afraid of this. Like this is going to be a classroom of learning how to love in a different, higher way. Yeah. And it just feels so amazing when you get there because you do feel so much closer to Christ because you, you not that we have, are anywhere near no, how no. he loves, but you, it's almost like you got another layer of like how mm-hmm. to do it. And and you can't do that without these really hard moments where you yeah. have to reevaluate your value system about it, you know? One thing that I want to touch on here is because I know this is an issue for so many families that are going through this is people are often like, well, what am I going to tell my kids? What am I going to teach my kids in this? Um, and I look at my daughter who is being raised in the church. Like she's been baptized. She goes to church with me on Sundays, um, except when she's going to do something with her dad. Uh, but he tries to get her there as often as possible as well. But she also has, uh, again, this love that she gets to understand that we still love people that do different things that we can have great relationships, even when maybe we don't align a hundred percent on all of the things, but we can align on the core values that we have, or we can align on, you know, our family is important. That's what it comes down for Steve and I, like this family is important. And so we are going to make that a priority and let go of the things we don't agree on and the little things that we could get really hung up on. I mean, there are so many things that I hear women say, and I'm like, yeah, but is that really worth fighting about? Is that really worth it in the long run? And I know it feels real and it feels huge, but being able to let those things go. I've I've seen this girl grow and I'm just like, dang, this girl's going to be a powerhouse for good and for helping other people feel loved and um, seen and, and all of those things. And so I just think that if you can let go of some of the things, you can teach your kids the beauty and all of this as well. Yeah, I love it. And I love how um, how you keep it all connected to the Savior and to your experience. When I said to you, do you work outside? I asked Jess what she did, if she worked. And she's like, this is it. This is the calling and this is the job. And And Jenny and I get that totally too. Like the feeling of being called to spread this news and this mm-hmm. this good work and to sh- show people I love what you do because you almost effortlessly show people how to to be differently than they thought they should be mm-hmm. or would be and to show them how they can be in a situation that they never planned on boy that sounds like the savior right <laughs> Right. Well, and I think it's emulate him. You do emulate him really well. Yeah, yeah. And it's and it's work. I mean, it doesn't. You have to go through the the motions of like, oh, that hurt. 
I'm mad at you, I, you know, all of the emotions. But once yeah. you get there, once you get good at going through them, it comes and goes faster. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the thing is like, you should feel all of those emotions. Like there is nothing wrong with embracing all of the emotions that you're feeling and that you're carrying. I, um, but I do think it's important, like we were talking about to not get stuck in that victim side of those emotions and instead take them and learn from them. I know that when I'm like feeling the things I'm like, okay, something it's heavy right now. I, I, and I have journals that I've created for this to help people as well, to go through and evaluate those emotions of what you're feeling. Okay. Why am I feeling this way? What do I need to learn from this? How can I change how I'm thinking about it to make it better? Because sometimes that's all you need to do, which is hard, but also a simple thing that just involves you personally. If I can change how I'm thinking about this situation, it's going to be okay. And that was one of the main things I made a conscious intentional effort to do was change how I thought about my divorce and how I thought about my ex-husband. I mean, I, I loved him and I just needed to remember that I loved him through all of the crap we were going through. Yeah. I love to ask my clients in those moments. Okay. So you're getting divorced, but what else is true? You know, yeah. and what else was true for you was I still love him and we will always have this love and we will always be a family because of our daughter. And so when you focus on the, like, what else, like telling your brain, the whole story, that is where it's easier to find the thoughts to move to. Right. Yes. Love it. Good. So important. Okay. So, okay. So what if somebody needs you? What if they're experiencing this? What, how did they get a hold of you? And, and what are you, what are you doing to help? other families. Okay. So first and foremost, we have our podcast called Husband-in-Law and it is hosted by my ex-husband, Steve, my husband, Matt, and myself. Um, And we literally go through, it's it's a different layout than almost any other podcast you've heard of. Um, We start like at the beginning of mine and Steve's relationship and the beginning of like Matt and his whole story. And we just go through and tell our stories, um, offer, you know, what we have and what we've learned. Uh, in those moments to help other people. And one of the things that we really stress is that people, we're not expecting people to do it just like us. We want people to figure out what works for you. That's what we had to do. That's what we have done. Um, And we understand too, co-parenting wise, we have a very different relationship with Matt's ex-wife. And so we get that, you know, it doesn't all work out this way and that's not good or bad. Like you can have a good co-parenting relationship and not be best friends like Steve and I are. Totally works. Um, so, so the podcast is a great place to start. We are also very active on Instagram, um, husband-in-law as well there. That's what Steve and Matt call each other is husband-in-laws. So, so <laughs> that's where that came from. Oh, I love it. Um, and then I do offer coaching and, you know, I have like, um, and I mostly work with women who are in a similar situation to me, but I also work with just people going through divorces or people who are just trying to figure out what it is they want in life. Um, all of those things, gaining clarity there. I also have, well, we have a coloring book that yeah. I always like to put out there because I know sometimes it's hard to start conversations around, you know, just queer topics. And so we have a coloring book called Loving Boldly coloring book. Um, and it's loving boldly celebrating all types of love. And it has like definitions in there and we're hoping to have another volume coming out soon. So it has just some of like LGBTQ terms. Um, and then as it's well real, as it's real coloring life. pages. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, it's very light. Like it's fun. Um, one of my favorite pages is like the drag queen page. It's, they're just cute. There's a picture of Steve and Penny in there at Pride that we had the animator or the illustrator turn into a picture. Um, just easy ways to show that you're an ally to have in your home, to show your kids that you're a safe place, uh, any of those things. I, I firmly believe after watching Steve go through everything he's gone through, that if we can help our kids know that they are safe in our homes, exactly what you guys are doing, uh, they can avoid some of the pain and heartache that, you know, Steve has gone through and that other couples like us have been through. Um, And even though I say pain and heartache, I wouldn't trade it for the world. We've learned and we've grown. And Steve says the same thing. He's like, I would not be who I am today if I had not had all these experiences. So yeah, those are some things we have to offer. I do have like a free workbook as well that can get you started. Just it's called Change Your Story, Change Your Life about identifying where I encourage people to find one place where you can change the story you're telling yourself um, to start showing up to your life in a way that feels better to you. (laughs) Well, that is, that is all, that is exactly what we all need. And especially families that find themselves in your situation because because very few people can help in ways that are like you said you needed people to be your people and it's great that you can be people for others I love it there's there are a lot of families out there that are quietly painfully going through this yeah yeah and to have a resource like you who was able to figure out how not to lose yourself because yes that's the challenge um if you're the wife uh yep. like because it's just that cleaving is not there in a normal marriage and the worthiness and like you just feel and so it's almost like the Lord gave you an extra dose of that confidence because yeah. you yeah. and you just you've just turned all of this the messiness of this situation into something so beautiful and giving back and love and even such a like goodness so many good fruits like uh. Really amazing. And I think everybody could do that in whatever situation you're in, like the messiness is not always going to be there. It's like, like working through it, you're going to get to the other side and you're going to really understand of why you had to go through this, which I probably, you do now better, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I have, I mean, I remember when Penny was six months old and I was like, let's have another kid right now. I'd gotten pregnant naturally. Let's do this. And having this impression that I would not have more children and just knowing that and that my calling in life, mine and Steve's would be to share what we had experienced and been through. And at that point, I had no idea, (laughs) no idea what it, where we'd actually go and what we'd actually be doing. When you got that impression, were you like, no, (laughs) I was, I was here for it. I, and again, that's another gift. I felt like I was given like, okay. Like, let's, I am going to enjoy this baby and my one little kid as much as I can. And I've tried to have Steve and I continue to try to have another kid. Matt and I have tried to have another kid. It's just not my, I'm not cut out for it, apparently. (laughs) But it just lasts with the grandbabies. (laughs) (laughs) But I think just like, yes, like this is what I was sent here to do. Um, And, and I love it. And I, and I hear you say that, like, not to lose yourself in it. And I'm like, yes, don't lose yourself. Like you still get to love yourself through all this process. Anyways, so many things, but, um, yeah, it's beautiful. So there was, I love your energy. 
I, I, I was going to say, if there was one word I would describe you and Jess and I just met is joy. Yeah. Like the Thank amount you. you are joy. Like, and like, that is what we're supposed to come here for. And I really believe you, your joy because you have aligned with the savior and you have gained that real worth and strength from the only source that really is the peace and the joy, right? Like yeah. we are, we, we get messed up thinking the, our worth does come from our husband or from our children. And that's where like, you have to retell the story, right? Just yep. leave your homework and you have to, yep. the narrative has to be really always aligned with the savior. And then that fullness and that joy is your gift and, and now you're spreading it to others. So thank you so much for all. Thank of your work. you for sharing this. Oh, thank you. You're just, we, we are so happy to have you here. Finally. It's too bad we can't all be in one room, but I want to take a picture. So Someday. don't don't go anywhere until well, let's, we're done. Let's ask our question. Oh, okay, Jess. What does it mean to you to lift and love? Um, so for me, it means to help people feel seen and to see the good in themselves. I think that's one of the greatest gifts we can give ourselves is to see the good in ourselves and then to give that to somebody else to help them see the good in themselves and feel seen is just life-changing. Hmm. Love, I love these answers. We need to make a list of everybody's answers. Oh, good. They are fun. I love hearing them. Yes. And you are amazing. Yeah, you've lifted and loved us by just being with you today. And thank you so much for coming on. Um, our listeners, um, we go look her up on Instagram and just following her account will bring you more joy and listening to the podcast. I want, I haven't listened yet, so I am going to go all in. I'm I'm dying to hear now. Like start with episode one. Okay. (laughs) I'm going to totally binge it. I'm flying tomorrow. I'm binging the whole day with you, Jess. (laughs) Enjoy. Yes. I'm so looking forward to it. But, and our listeners, like our community is now open. So go, if you want to find it, go to liftandlove.org slash community to find information. We're super excited to have you join us in there and have an amazing day. We thank you for being with us today. Thank you. Bye. Thanks ladies. Thank you for joining our podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the lift and love podcast. And if you like what we share, we would be so grateful if you would leave us a five-star rating for more tips and resources, follow us on Instagram and Facebook under lift and love org and Jenny Hunter coaching. You can also go to liftandlove.org for loads of information and entry into our free support groups. If you're interested in personal coaching, sign up at jennyhuntercoaching.com. The first appointment is free. But most importantly, remember, you are not alone in this journey. We are building a community of thriving and faithful LGBTQ families who are here to lift and love you.